It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 316, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And man, were we ever today by those Dallas Cowboys who put an absolute beating on a Minnesota Vikings team that came in with an 8-1 and record, the second best record in the NFL, and the Cowboys took them out behind the woodshed and just beat the crap out of this team. And... I mean, offense, defense, special teams, all three phases, dominance, all, all just this. I thought this was the most complete game we've seen the Cowboys play all season. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it, Doug. I mean, you hold the, the Vikings to 183 yards. You gain 450. You control the game. You give them the worst. Uh, I think it's the worst loss in Minnesota home history. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much a thorough butt kicking. They're your best performance ever. Yeah, it's pretty wild, too, man, because since I live in the Birmingham, Alabama area, they switched to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati while the Dallas Cowboys game was still in the third quarter. <laughs> well, since I'm in Jackson, Mississippi, they did the exact same thing. Yep, and I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I'll be following along online. Thanks a lot, CBS. <laughs> and look, I get it because it was actually a game in, with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, and it was 37-3 to when they decided to switch. And at that point... I was kind of wondering, are any of the starters going to even play the fourth quarter? And it looks like they pulled pretty much everybody at about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter as both these teams were just trying to get out of there without anybody getting hurt. But overall, a complete performance. I'm, I'm not surprised the Cowboys won. Both you and I thought that we would see a very good game from them and that they would win this game. But I, I don't know anybody that would have predicted a 37-point destruction of a team that again coming in was eight and one four and zero at home. That's a solid football team in Minnesota. We'll jump into it. We'll get it all broken down for you. But before we get rolling, we got to tell you, of course, about Greening Law. It just doesn't get any better than these guys, man. Robert Greening and the Green Team at Greening Law. If you were hurt in a car accident, if you were hurt on the premises of a business, you got to give them a call. The consultation is free, and they walk you through the process, and they schedule what you need to do, and they break it down for you. And really what it is, is they're going to bat for you against these insurance companies so that you truly can focus on getting healed and getting renewed. No, nah, man, Matt's, Matt's been through this. He can tell you what a, what a benefit it is to be with somebody like the Green team and Robert Green. And here's why. It's a complicated process. It's a long process. It can be kind of tedious. And for a lot of us, yeah, we haven't been through it before. So if you're going through all of that, who doesn't want somebody to walk you down the path? As I like to say, put a flashlight on, show you where to go, where to walk, how to follow, and just give you the comfort level that comes with with this kind of process. Matt can tell you it's the best way to do it. It is, and it's easy, man. Again, the consultation is absolutely free. So give them a call, 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. Call them now to Robert Greening Offices, Dallas, Texas. So the Dallas Cowboys, man, you just you look at everything that they did, an absolute dominant destruction of Minnesota today. And this one felt to me like at, at halftime, I was like, this thing is over. 
Like they, this just has a completely different vibe because Minnesota was not having success doing anything like at all. They, they couldn't get anything going. The Dallas defense was teeing off on them. They were controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. And, you know, I really like because a lot of people gave Dak a lot of shit throughout the course of the week. I thought this was a brilliantly called game by Kellen Moore. And it, it felt to me like Dak wasn't trying to do too much and was actually taking what the defense was giving him. He was virtually perfect today. No, nah, man, it was it was a um, obviously it was a complete performance. And, and, you know, here's why I wasn't surprised. And I put this in the morning news the other day. And it's just that I've been around the NFL long enough to understand that at certain points of the year, you really can rely on the desperate team theory. And the desperation from Dallas was, wow, we dropped one, we should have won. Everybody in the division, shockingly, is playing well, meaning Washington and New York. We can't really afford a loss right now, or we're going to have a real problem just getting into the playoffs because it's going to be so competitive. Whereas Minnesota, just came back from a 27-10 deficit to rally past Buffalo on the road. Everybody's been calling them great at home all weekend. Uh, they've been having happy time three or four nights this week. They were like, hey, it's been a great week. We're 8-1. and one. We got a six-game lead in the division. That's ah, whatever, dog. Drinks on me. And so when I just looked at those two scenarios, and that's what I said. I believe I told you, Matt. We'll get the best the Cowboys have to offer this week, and we'll see if it's good enough. And I think we got the best they had to offer, and it was more than good enough. Well, then, in what we saw tonight, if they're going to play like this, they can beat any team in the NFL. That version that we saw tonight, or this afternoon, I should say, in Minnesota, to me, is a team that could make a run in the playoffs and do some damaging things. You got a quarterback who was playing the best that he can play. The run game was functioning the exact way you want the run game to function with a phenomenal mix of Tony Pollard and Zeke and allowing Pollard to have some of those explosive runs and Zeke getting some of the harder runs that we saw. The passing game using Tony Pollard as a weapon a couple of times. Dak seeing the way that he saw things. I mean, I, I don't know offensively that there is anything that I would have changed about the performance tonight. No, I don't think so. I think the um, I think the one thing you can really get excited about is so we feeling we really finna weaponize Pollard as a receiver. Is that what we finna do now? Apparently, I mean six for one hundred nine. My God, man! Because if that's the case, I mean that's a whole different that's a whole different game. I mean, you know, that's what he did in college, and it's something that we've said forever. Like, dude, can y'all? I mean, can you take advantage of what he can do as a receiver? <laughs> Well, he tied his career high in receptions today, um, but clearly he's never had more than 60 yards in the game before yeah. receiving. And that was against San Francisco uh, uh, last year, uh, two years ago. So my point is, if they've now figured out that, again, we ain't got a lot of big play guys on the team, let's go weaponize Pollard as a receiver. Then you just added another dimension, bro. And now it makes your offense more explosive because you don't have to have – I mean, those are easy completions to him. It's just what he does with it afterward. Yeah, and, and some of that too, like that first touchdown that he had where he took off 30 yards down the sideline, you know, they went back and kind of showed – Romo was showing, look at Dak going through his progressions. And this is just to me, and I, I don't know if Dak was looking at some of the things that they've done in the last couple of weeks with some of the picks that have been thrown, and maybe he doesn't trust that these guys are doing the right routes or something – 
but you saw a couple of times where he went through progressions and and took the check down and took the safer throw and it really worked really really well and and, and that one I think Pollard was like his fourth or fifth read on that play and he just drops it down Tony Pollard makes a guy miss Dalton Schultz has a phenomenal block and the next thing you know you've got a 30-yard touchdown and you know kind of the same Dak saw it pretty quick there on the one that went for 68 and it's just a beautiful pass I mean it, again I, I don't know that you would have changed anything about the way they played today on offense it was literally perfect I mean Dak had three incompletions Pollard had 21 touches. Zeke had 16 touches. They were clicking and doing everything that you would want this offense to do, which is why they put up 28 points on touchdowns and 12 on field goals. Yeah, bro. I mean, there's really nothing. They they played a, a flawless game. Now, I haven't checked. And again, I'm like you. I, I, I didn't see uh, the last quarter and a half. Did they end up punting today? They, they did. They, they the finally f- punted, I think, in that, that first drive in the fourth quarter they punted. All right, but it was uh, you know, here's the thing though. Uh, the offensive line dominated up front. They were displacing people at the line of scrimmage, and um, you know they weren't always ten yard runs or eight yard runs. But I don't. Th- I think they had very few negative runs. Mm-hmm. So they once again they stayed ahead of the chains. They were able to dictate it. I think they were twelve or seventeen on third down yep. in part because there was a lot of third and four, third and three, third and two, third and four, third and five manageable situations, and that's how you have to play, man. Yeah, I mean, 458 total yards at six and a half per. Like we said, I mean, the passing attack, Dak was surgical. 22 of 25 for 276 and two touchdowns. Zeke and Pollard each with 15 carries. Obviously, Tony Pollard had some explosive plays where he got to 80 yards, led the team in receptions. You saw a little bit of C.D. Lamb mixed in. Michael Gallup had a couple of big passes. You know, Noah Brown had the big 30-yard gain that got him down to the one-yard line. It it was a masterful game all the way around, starting with Kellen Moore and the offensive play calling and the plays that they chose and the execution of those plays against a solid Minnesota defense. Not a great Minnesota defense, but a very solid Minnesota defense. And again, if if they're going to play offense like this and have this type of success, this is a type of offense where you limit Dak, you're doing him around 25 throws a game, and you just have success doing what you want to do in the run game, and and it's really difficult to stop that team. Um, I think when you talk about Dak checking the ball down, I think what happens is and you know I've talked to a uh, and it let me put it like this it doesn't matter what level of football you play on if you're a quarterback you're an offensive coordinator what do you want to do you want to attack you want big plays you want to score touchdowns the hardest thing for any of those cats to do is dial it back and take the five yard gain the six yard gain the four yard gain because that ain't sexy yeah it ain't sexy at all but it can be very effective and if you can do that it will open up the big stuff. And so I think last week, we know he had a bad game. And, you know, the thing I think I said last week, man, is to me, just your boy now, Dak is good enough that there's not a referendum on every week for him, man. He's entitled to have a bad game. The best quarterbacks in the league have a bad game. So he's certainly entitled to have one or two a year um, because he's human. And nobody ever said he was a Hall of Famer. Nobody who, who had any common sense ever said that. Uh, so he's entitled to that, man. But, uh, you know, y'all tripping if you don't think he's a good quarterback and who on, the, on a given week can really play with the best in the league. Yeah, and, and I would agree, man. I would, yeah. 
No, so I mean, and, and that's it. So that's what he did today. And what I'm saying is, I think he saw last week that he didn't take enough of those things that they gave him, and he's like, "Let me just go take it this week and see how it goes." And he learned, because <laughs> man, you know, and again, like you said, if if they're going to start using Pollard more as a weapon in the passing attack, you know, that completely changes us. And and it is obviously it's quickly becoming the idea of how can we get more opportunities for Tony Pollard in space where he can make a guy miss and he can go, which is what happened today on that 30-yard touchdown catch. Made one guy miss. Dalton Schultz executed the block he was supposed to execute, and he was gone. That was it. That's all he needed. Same on the 68-yard. I mean, he beat his guy, and there was no one else that was going to get him. Now, you know, bro, I I ain't sure why it took so long. (laughs) That's what everybody's saying. Like, for real, clearly he's been one of the most explosive players in the league. I mean, he had... uh, you know, he had the 30-yard or the 68-yard. He had 18-yard run. He had a 20-yard run. Mm-hmm. That's four plays in uh, of more than 20 yards in 21 touches or 27 touches. I mean, that's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Uh, that kind of production. You have to take advantage of that, and you have to find ways to get him the ball. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because you go back to when the Cowboys had their first drive and it was coming off that turnover, and we'll get to the defensive performance here in a minute, but they get that turnover on the strip sack from Micah. They get the ball at the 27, and all they can manage is a field goal because, I mean, Dak threw a a gorgeous ball to Schultz who just couldn't bring it in, and I'm sitting there on that first drive going, okay, you can't start drives at, at the opponent 27 and end with three. Not not good. I mean, you take the points, but still. And then the flip side of that is the Vikings get the ball back and, and Dalvin Cook has like a 17-yard run. And then there's one of those things with a, a holding call on the defense. And the next thing you know, the Vikings are right down there and it's three to three. And then after that, man, they, they just put on a clinic where you brought up the runs of 18 and 20. That was on that Cowboys second drive on back-to-back plays. He goes for 18, next play is 20. You know, Dak hits Gallup on a slant, and then two plays later, you're in the end zone. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, this this thing is cooking right now. Yeah, but it's all built around Pollard. It's all built around big plays. We've said it yeah. a thousand times, man. This offense is devoid of big play guys. Uh, big plays is how you score points. I mean, it's great to run the ball, control the clock. But you score points with big plays, uh, usually in the passing game. But Tony Pollard is good enough to get them to you in a running game. And you look how the game goes today. On drives where they had big plays, they usually score touchdowns. On the other ones, they usually kick field goals. That's how the NFL works. And you got to give some mad props to Brett Maher today because that dude was unbelievable. Four of four on field goals, four of four on extra points. The 60-yarder that he cannoned going into halftime, a 53-yarder, a 50-yarder. I mean, that 60-yarder, and keep in mind, he had to do it twice because the NFL, for whatever reason, was like, oh, we went entirely through a play clock and we've had over a minute to review this play. Hold up a second. Now we're going to review it as he's, as he's deciding to kick the field goal. And it's funny because the second time he got an opportunity to kick the 60-yarder, he hit it better than he did the first time around when it looked like it was going to hit off the upright. Oh, no, he nailed it the second time. Yeah, man. Um, but I got to say this, man. Now, let me let me preface this by saying I'm not going to sit there and tell y'all that I followed every kicker in the National Football League this year. I will say this, though. It's hard to believe uh, that there's a better kicker this year than Brett Maher, which sounds shocking. I mean, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about even Justin Tucker in Baltimore and you know whoever else you want to put as the best. That dude has missed two kicks this year, both of them from uh, 59 yards, I believe. Uh, 
Uh, he's uh, made a couple of more than 60, I think. And uh, he's he, you can't return any of his kickoffs. I think he's had two kickoffs returned this year. He's basically been one of the best kickers, certainly in the conversation for the top two or three kickers in the league this year. Great offseason move considering, you know, they were just like, yeah, we'll take uh, some unnamed rookie yeah. in the camp. Yeah, and he's a Pro Bowl kicker, man. And you look at it, he is now in his career four of four from 60 yards or more. He has made the most 60 yarders in NFL history. No other kicker in the history of the game has made more than two. So you have that leg for Brett Maher, who was awesome today. And the other thing is, going back to Tony Pollard, how about this note? No other running back in the NFL this year has two 30-plus yard touchdown catches this season. Pollard does. Alvin Kamara has just one. He is also the first running back with multiple 30-plus yard touchdown catches since Jamal Charles going all the way back to 2015. And is this? he's the first Cowboys running back with a 100-yard receiving game and a 50-plus-yard rushing game in the same game since Emmitt did it in 1993. Jeez. I mean, you just don't see performances like this very often, and it feels now that Zeke was back, and I kept thinking, man, having Zeke back healthy, you, you, we finally get to see again what this offense can be when it has the pieces that it needs. And this thing is, at least for tonight, and in one game sample size, it was clicking. And now they'll get an opportunity to come home and play the Giants on Thanksgiving and then Houston and the Colts and the Jags coming up. And maybe you can get a streak going here because they're going to be favored in each of their next four games. And they should be. They're, they, they should be the better team in each of the next four games. Dude, it is set up now. What's their record? Seven and three. Seven and three. It's set up. It's set up now for them to make a run. If they have it in them, it's set up now. You've got games at home. Mm-hmm. You've got bad opponents, and it's the NFL. So I'm not saying you need to win the next. What is it? Four games you just rattled off. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if you can win three of those four, and and have eleven wins. You know, heading into the last two or three games of the season, you're in good shape. But there's every opportunity for them to put another five game winning streak together. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and you look at it where it sits right now. And granted, we'll see what happens on Sunday night football if the Chiefs win or not. If they do, then you would add them to, to the list. But right now, the only teams in the entire National Football League that have a better record than the Dallas Cowboys are the nine and one Philadelphia Eagles and the eight and two Minnesota Vikings, who the Cowboys just beat. That's it. Everybody else is seven and three or worse. And again, the Chiefs are seven and two. And if they win tonight against the Chargers, would be eight and two and add them to that list. But this is a this is a really solid Cowboys team, man. When you see the effort that you were able to get and the execution on offense like they had tonight. And then, of course, the flip side of that is the defense. And we got to get into the defense and we will here in a moment. But I do hope that you have taken a chance to check out Bruce Biltong. Bruised biltong, it's like beef jerky. It's a a traditional South African air-dried meat. And I'm telling you guys, if you have somebody in your family, in your life that loves beef jerky, these little two-ounce snack bags that they sell at bruisebiltong.com, it's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, they make awesome stocking stuffers for Christmas. You can go ahead and get your order in now, and then that way they'll be ready for you, and you can just put them in somebody's stocking. They'll pull it out and be like, what is this? Be like, oh, I know you like beef jerky. You're never eating it again because now you're eating biltong. No, man, it's it's sensational, man. Uh, me and Matt both rock with the sliced biltong. That slab is uh, quickly moved up the favorites list where you can kind of cut it how you want it. But the thing about it is, man, unlike beef jerky, 
because it's similar but not but different you know this stuff is juicy it's yes seriously juicy mm-hmm. it's got some succulents to it doesn't get caught in your teeth it's it's really amazing man they take it from the butt of the animal so to speak that region of the body cut it into strips dry it out put some uh magic stuff on it and it's delicious yeah it's fantastic it's savory it's more tender than beef jerky the flavor is fantastic and the two ounce bags are only 240 calories with 30 grams of protein really think you're going to enjoy it so check them out at bruisebiltong.com and of course make sure you use the promo code jam 15 at checkout and you get 15 percent off your order at bruisebiltong.com podcast also brought to you as always by freeway tire shop jr and his guys over there at freeway they're going to get you taken care of and they do it all it's the mechanic you can trust from the easy stuff like an oil change or a state inspection to completely taking apart your engine and doing the heavy duty more intense work and of course they've got tires it's competitive pricing it is elite customer service they are going to get you taken care of as jacques knows better than anybody at freeway no man think about jr and his team man and i tell you this all the time it's a trust factor Nobody wants to take your car to a mechanic and you have to wonder whether he's giving you the business or whether he's really telling you the truth. And that's why I rock with JR, man, because you can trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car and you can trust him to use quality parts to fix it because we all know not everybody does. You can also trust him to whew, think about this. How about you just give me a fair price, bro? Yeah. Just charge. Just charge me a fair price. Um, and then finally, man, you want a dude that you can trust to stand behind his work. Nobody's perfect. Sometimes you think you got it and it's not quite done. You bring it back with JR. It's not. It's never an issue. You roll in. He fixes it. He sends you back out. Everybody's happy. It's worth the time it takes to get there. And depending on where you live, it's not that far. It's five minutes up 35 north toward Denton. You get off at of Commonwealth. You go through the lights right there on the right. Um, he's fantastic, but I got number love for JR. Make it happen. You can schedule an appointment. You can request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. Easy to do. So the Cowboys offense, we talked about it quite a bit. And again, this is the first time Dallas scored either a touchdown or or a field goal on its first seven drives since 1978 when they expanded to a 16-game schedule. They had never started a game with a score on each of their first seven drives until today. So if you are my age, this is the first time in our lives that we have ever seen a Cowboys offense execute at this level, which is nuts. But the flip side of this was the dominant performance of the Cowboys defense, who, let's be honest, coming in, we thought we might get gashed and you might have a problem against Alvin Cook. To be fair, they got down so quickly that they weren't able to run probably as much as they were hoping to do. Minnesota, that is. They just didn't get to run a lot of plays, though. I mean, Kirk Cousins only threw it 23 times. Dalvin Cook only had 11 runs. Now, he did run for 72 yards on those 11 runs. That's 6.5 per. But you were able to get them in a lot of three and out situations and keep them punting. You were hassling them because the pass rush was getting to Kirk Cousins, creating a lot of third and long situations for the Cowboys defense. And could you have been better maybe a little bit against the run? Sure. But, I mean, God, you only gave up three points and were virtually dominant. You know, virtually dominant. They were dominant. I mean, I think, but but this is how I look at things, man. Um, you have guys who understand what it's all about. Like, I thought it was interesting this week. And follow me for a second. I thought it was interesting this week that Dak goes, hey, this is like a playoff game. Wow, really? It's like that? Because he felt like this is a turning point in the season. Mm-hmm. Because of the schedule that's coming up, because of the three games in 12 days, like, this is a big 
time of the season. And you can either fall back to the pack or you can kind of separate yourself into the from the pack and be one of those, you know, top four or five, six teams in the league. And so here's what I'm going with that. What do you want your superstars to do? You want your superstars to set the tone. Hey, man, I'm going to take you there. All y'all got to do is follow me. Just watch me. Let's go. And so what did Michael Parsons do on the first series, man? He goes, yo, mm. uh, hey, I know they got the ball. Come follow me, fellas. Go watch me do this. And he set the offense up to take a 7 nothing lead. And even though it was, they only kicked a field goal, that to me was a tone setter. That says, we on your ass all day long. Because the guy he beat had only given up, uh, according to the broadcast, like 10 pressures the entire season. He beats this dude for a strip sack on the first series, which lets you know that that dude's going back to the bench going, oh, my, what the hell is going on? This doesn't happen to me. And so I think Michael Parsons set the tone for the entire day with that first pass rush he had. And that's the kind of things that superstars do. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, you look at this Cowboys defense, seven sacks today, which apparently was the most in a game since week 15 of 2008 against the New York Giants when they had eight sacks in that game. So a seven sack game, you mentioned the first one on that first drive with Micah, which was huge and really did set the tone. Micah had a couple of sacks. Dorrance Armstrong had two sacks. Jaron Curse had a sack. Dante Fowler Jr. had a sack. Tank had a sack. I mean, they were all over Kirk Cousins and had a variety of other pressures as well. And, you know, that they were just such hugely timed sacks. I mean, even after the Vikings got the field goal and then the Cowboys scored and were up 10 to 3, well, they got to a third and three. And that's when Dorrance Armstrong blows around the end and gets a sack on a third and three to end that drive, which allowed Dallas to go down the field and get another field goal to go up by 10. You know, the Vikings' fourth drive on a third and eight, Micah Parsons blitzes right up the middle, and Cousins had to throw it away. Otherwise, that would have been a sack and forced a punt. So even when they weren't actually getting credited with the statistical sack, the pressure that they were able to get and the frustration that they were getting, really on third downs too, Kirk Cousins just did not have a lot of opportunity to stand back there and do anything in the passing game. No, nah, man, they were on his ass all day Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because in addition to the seven sacks, they also hit him 13 times. That's not pressures. That's hit him 13 times. And so, um, you know, they were in his grill all day long. They never get, let him feel comfortable. It's very rare that you see a veteran NFL quarterback play essentially the whole game and throw for 105 yards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's like not yeah. that you got hurt or anything else. Like you see it with some young guys sometimes, like a Zach Wilson kind of player. But you don't see it with veterans because usually at some point they find a rhythm. They they figure a few things out. But uh, I think Dan Quinn was in his bag today, not just with the blitzes, because it came from a lot of different people, which is why you had so many different people getting sacks. But uh, they also showed some on the broadcast where and I hadn't seen this too often, you know, because the whole eye test for reading defenses is you put somebody in motion. If somebody follows with them, it's man to man. Yeah. Well, they did that. Uh, and they showed Kirk Cousins that look. And then at the snap, they went to zone. And uh, Tony Romo was saying, yeah, they've done that a couple times. And I was like, oh, that must be throwing Kirk for a loop. Like, well, how the hell do I figure it out if, if the read that I've used for 20 years ain't working today? This something, man, because this was as dominant as you can get defensively. And, you know, you look at this, the longest play that Minnesota had on offense was a 17-yard run by Dalvin Cook very early on in the game. 
the longest pass completion that they had was 15 yards and they had a couple of those but that was it that this was a Dallas defense that did not give up any explosive plays kept everything in front of them and again keep in mind this is a Minnesota team that had some huge numbers coming off against Buffalo last week the Justin Jefferson game that he had last week you got to start giving some props to Trayvon Diggs man because it is becoming more and more evident that whoever you put Trayvon Diggs on that dude doesn't really do much and is virtually invisible for most of the game Jefferson had three for 33 the one in which he had the 15 yard catch I believe was in the zone where Diggs wasn't even on him as like a man and so he only had two catches where Diggs was the primary guy he was only targeted five times the entire game well see I wondered if some of that was pressure where he was targeted a lot more but couldn't get the ball off because I'm either running for my life or I just got sacked um but uh I'm, I'm with you man Trayvon Diggs is uh he's having a phenomenal all-pro season to me man uh and it's not just about interceptions we talked about that last year man yeah. where it's like okay the interceptions we're never gonna sleep on those those are fantastic those are great that we all get hyped over but dog you are giving up a 50-yard pass every game yeah <laughs> it's like yeah you're getting some ass but you're taking some uh now this year man you know, he's position himself to have a few picks here and there but more importantly he just ain't giving up the plays man and so you can live with that and unlike byron jones before somebody says well byron jones did that now he does get an interception every now and then and so uh, he's still leading the league over the last you know whatever it is season and a half in interceptions and it's frankly not even all that close yeah and it's it's interesting too because you look at this coming into the week Trayvon Diggs was second in the NFL in passes defensed and and obviously I think he might have had one today yeah he did have that one today that he knocked down so he depending on what the stats when they get updated he may be tied for the league lead in passes defensed and obviously his three picks it's it's impressive and this Cowboys defense you know they didn't have Anthony Barr today and I know they were bummed about that and he was bummed about that because he was a former Viking but for the most part I again this was almost a perfect game. Like, I, I don't know that it wasn't. I don't know where you would change anything that the Cowboys did today in a complete, absolute, physical mauling on both sides of the line, shut down on defense. It, it, it exploded all over you on offense. I, I don't know where the mistake was. I mean, the only, the only one that even almost was a mistake was when Turpin tried to field that punt and it went off of him and the ball bounced out of bounds. And so it ended up not being a big deal. But outside of that, I, I don't know that there was even a mistake in this game. Not very many, man. There, there's just a couple, but uh, they played well. And, you know, the hope that you can take from this, and y'all know I don't really deal in hope, but the hope that y'all can take from this is – they're capable of winning with defense and special teams, all right? That hadn't really changed. But if the offense can contribute something on a consistent basis and look at 24 points as a realistic number, yeah. then with the way the defense plays, you got a real shot to win. Um, you know, but you but you got to play like that consistently in terms of run the ball, play great defense. Your special teams are phenomenal this year, especially with the kicker. And a kick returner. I mean, if, I don't know if you've been paying attention, though. He had like a 20-yard punt return almost every week. Yeah, and he had one today that was huge that ended up he fielded it in Cowboys territory and returned it 20 yards, and, and, and they got to start another drive in Vikings territory because of that. Yeah, that dude's a real weapon. So you can win like that. And then if you throw on some consistent offense, it just it allows you to dream the dream. Now, y'all know I don't deal in that, but I'm going to let y'all dream that dream.
Yeah, I'll dream that dream, man, because, yeah, that was the seventh drive where Turpin had a 20-yard punt return. They started at the 41, two Zeke runs. Next thing you know, it's a 35-yard gain to Noah Brown. Zeke touchdown, just like that, it's 37-3. to I mean, those types of things matter, and, man, they are doing it. A game like today, and, and I already had a couple of people on Twitter go, okay, but where was this team last week? I don't even care. So what? Where was this team last week? The question was, can you rebound from a game that you should have won last week in Green Bay and come out and do what you did today? And they did that. This is go- This is a good Cowboys team. And we talk about this week in and week out regardless. You know, we talked about it with Todd Archer. We've talked about it with Chill. There is no team in the NFC that you look at and say, well, if you have to meet them in the playoffs, you just don't have a chance. Cowboys can beat anybody in the NFC. They can beat anybody in the NFC. Are they going to beat the Eagles when they play in the rematch? I don't know, but it's not that they can't beat the Eagles. So we'll see. Oh, no, dude. I mean, that thing is wide open. I mean, the Eagles haven't looked like world beaters the last couple of weeks. Uh, They struggled mightily today before pulling out in the last minute against the uh, Colts. Yeah. And and their veteran head coach, Jeff Saturday. And so, (laughs) I mean, I think they're a really good team. But I they think are a really them, good team, yeah. I think them and Dallas are basically the same. It's just a matter of whether Dallas can hold serve uh, in the home game and whether they drop another one uh, at some point during the season. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, this NFC East, obviously, the Giants lost today. Finally, it's it's been so hard to buy into the Giants, and they got thumped by the Lions today in New York, by the way. And then, of course, Washington, who is now back on, uh, with the winning record. The Commanders are 6-5. and five. After they were able to, I know it might have been tough, they had to get past Houston today. So, you know, you look at this with the Cowboys, and that's kind of the thing. Can you get some momentum? It feels like you did, but now you've got a, a you've got a big divisional game. You've got three consecutive home games. You've got the big divisional game coming up on Thanksgiving against the Giants. You've got that next one coming up, which is a Sunday night football game against the Colts. And then obviously the following Sunday against the Texans, three in a row at home against three teams that you should beat. Uh, to me, there's really no excuse for this team not to be 10 and three. No, except that... You see it every week, man. I mean, there's upsets every week because the difference between the best team and the worst team is still pretty slim. And so you have to show up. You have to play. You have to avoid big injuries. Um, But you just have to figure out a way to play consistently. And, you know, they've done that for the most part. I mean, because if we're going to be honest, man, they beat the Packers and then they gave it away at the end. You know, like they controlled the game. Yeah. They, They were in position to win it. Something freaky happened, and they lost. Something freaky being they blew a lead for the first time in 195 games, first time in franchise history. So it's okay to kind of say that was an aberration, which is why, which is what made this game so important, and maybe it propelled them to win this one. Uh, my point being, they've been playing pretty good for a long time, and so we should expect them to play good. And, you know, again, I'm not at the point where I'm style pointing wins, but, you know, every – Every team in this league loses these types of games that have you going, what the hell happened? Yeah. You just hope you only have like one of those, like the Baltimore Ravens have had like three of them. Yeah, that's very true. And to to your point, the Eagles have had one of them. Yeah. So, you know, it's all about who can be the most consistent team. And when you play defense and special teams, you have a chance to be the most consistent team, especially on the road, because those two things tend to travel. Yeah, so 
all in all, I mean, this is everything you could have possibly have wanted it to be today in an absolute just annihilation of Minnesota. It was awesome to watch. It was it, it just it, now we know what this team can be when they play on this level. And there's no reason to expect that they won't be able to do this again at some point. So we will see. But as Gabriel tweeted in at us, she says, I think this game proves the Cowboys are contenders for the Super Bowl. If they play within themselves, they should have won last week. I think Mike McCarthy screwed up by trying to outthink instead of just doing what we do best. Who knows? But I would look, the Cowboys are contenders because if anybody has been watching any of the teams in the NFC, name the ones that you can. And again, if you're an Eagles fan and you are like, oh, they beat the, the Eagles beat the Cowboys. They are better than the Cowboys. Cool. I'm not going to argue with you. But it's not like you're pointing at all these other teams in the NFC going, oh, no, you can't get past them or, whoa, watch out for them. So, yeah, the Cowboys are definitely contenders. They are 100% contenders in the NFC. Now it's a matter of, like we've talked about, are you going to be able to reel in the Eagles in the division? Because if not, and keep in mind, guys, the Eagles are playing the same schedule as the Cowboys. You know, they play 14 of the same games, and then the other three games are different, and Dallas has had to play the three other division winners from last year, and the Eagles aren't. So are they going to be able to catch them? I don't know, but it's... All you can do at this point is just have that hope that you get into the playoffs. It's going to be tough if you have to play three on the road. But, I mean, the way that this team played today, if you run the football, we know the run game travels, and you can get to the passer and you can travel with that, then you've got a chance against anybody in this league. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, man. It starts, though, with what you just talked about. Um, If they're going to play defense and uh, they're going to get consistent running, then, you know, there's no great teams. We have told y'all that a thousand times. There's some teams that look a little better than others, uh, but it's all about consistency, and it's the NFL, so it's all about avoiding that catastrophic injury. Um, but this, you know, I've been impressed by their offense, and y'all know I ain't get the offense credit for nothing all year long. Yeah. Um, but they're figuring out some things, and I keep saying it because it's true. They have to play a certain way on offense, and when they do, if they're successful at it, they can make some things happen. Uh, again, I think I tweeted out before the game or right early in the game. If they can keep Dak around 32, 33 passes, it's, it's all good because it means you're dictating the pace and you're doing what you want to do. And uh, I think they did that again today. And uh, the formula is there, Doug. You just have to execute. Yeah, I mean, the reality of it is we are talking about a team that is plus 84 in point differential. I mean, that's pretty solid. And, and, and that's the difference between a 7-3 and three Cowboys team and a 7-3 and three Giants team that's plus one. They've got a good offense. They have shown the ability. I mean, this is the second game they've scored over 40 points in a game. And we've seen how dominant the defense can be at times. And it all worked today for a monster win over Minnesota. And, and like we said, we'll move forward. It's a short week. The Giants are going to be in Dallas on Thursday for the, day, the annual Thanksgiving Day game. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But as we continue here on the podcast, of course, you guys know with the summer that you had in DFW, it can be really, really rough for your foundation. That's why you need to give HFX Foundation Solutions a call. If you run into that type of situation where you're seeing cracks or you notice sticking doors or sloped floors or any of those types of things, you need to go ahead and just give them a call over there. It's Aaron and his guys. It's, it's family owned and operated. They are going to get you taken care of hfx foundation solutions don't mess around with your foundation no but not by any stretch man i think the reason i joke around and call the colonoscopy for your crib is this 
colonoscopy gives you peace of mind. Make sure that you're straight, that you're good, that you don't have to worry about any surprises. You want the same thing for your house, man. For most of us, it's our biggest investment. It's where we've since sunk most of our money. And you want some peace of mind that you ain't got nothing like foundation problems happening. Because if you do, whoo, talk about your anxiety attack. So you call Aaron, the consultation's free. You have him come over. You have him give your house that colonoscopy for the crib. And what it provides you is peace of mind. Now you ain't got to worry about it. And you just enjoy yourself. That, to me, is why you pick up the phone to give Aaron and his team a call. They do it all, man. They specialize in slab, hearing beam foundation repair, as well as drainage and gutter installations. So give them a call. It's 817-770-0174. 817-770-0174. It's hfxfoundation.com online. Sounds like he could help you with some of your drainage issues, huh? Hey, man, I was standing outside... Uh for I don't know four or five hours <laughs> Jackson State's game so yeah I got some drainage issues I'm working through yeah I was gonna say it sounds like you got a little cold that you picked up in the freezing uh, I don't think I got a cold but uh, if I'm not careful it could become one yeah I mean it's been and, and I know that in the Dallas area it got down to like 32 I think finally over there but and I don't know what it's been in Jackson but here in Birmingham it was like 25 degrees overnight the last couple of nights it has been very cold and high is like and you know I think we barely cracked 40 the other day it's like dang man yeah now they had the first frost the other day but uh the game the other day it wasn't that it was so freezing it's just that you're out there for so long uh you know pre-game the game so I yeah. mean, like I said I was out there for about five hours well, that sounds like exciting times. Standing out in the freezing cold is always a good way to, to feel good. <laughs> well, I did have I did have quite the adventure at the game Sunday, bro. I've been to a lot of games, mostly NFL, a few high school games, uh, college games. Well, I watch a lot of Jackson State's games from the sidelines for this project I'm working on. And, bro, <clears throat> the unthinkable happened. I'm, uh, I'm watching from the sideline. And uh, number one recruit in the country, Travis Hunter, gets his second interception of the, of the season. Nice. He makes a, uh, makes a nice run, literally puts the brakes on. This guy runs past him, and uh, he's headed for the end zone. I never saw it because the guy he put the juke move on, instead of running back inbounds, he decided to run out of bounds down the, side, down the field. <laughs> that sucks. Now, bro, real talk. I'm about six yards, seven yards from the field of play on the sideline. Yeah, out of danger because I know how to work, how the game works, dude. He hit me running full speed. Oh, good lord! In the back, and uh, I went down <laughs> and, and rolled over a couple times. And then popped back up, and one of the equipment uh, young ladies, she was like, hey, whoo, are you okay? And I go, yo, I'm an athlete. I'm fine. <laughs> nice. And then uh, <laughs> probably about 10 minutes later, I saw the uh, kind of director of operations. She's a woman, too. And she goes, yeah. I saw you on the ground. What happened? You trip? I go, nah. I said, I think it was uh, number 14 just ran me over. And uh, I said, you know the time I talk about working out? That's why you work out. You work out for when you need it, for when you're in a collision like that, you just don't die. Uh, so uh, it hurt, but it, it wasn't anything, you know, unusual. Just like, uh, that sucked. Until about 
30 minutes from the end of the game. And I go, oh, perhaps the adrenaline is running off now. <laughs> You're starting to feel it a little bit, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm starting to feel this. It's just like some overall soreness. But again, you know, I'm good. I'm an athlete. I'm fine. So check this out, bro. So I get all the way back. They played at Alcorn State. And they, they ended up winning, I forget, they won by 10 or so. It's a two-hour drive back to uh, back to Jackson. Yeah. So I'm on the I'm on a bus. Uh, get back, but my car is at the hotel because they leave from the hotel where they stay, but they return everybody to campus. So I'm like, well, damn, how am I gonna get my car? So you know, I'm not the only one who did this. So I'm I'm walking around, say, hey, you going back? Yeah, I finally find a finally find a ride. So my guy goes, oh yeah, I'll take you back because I'm taking this other guy back too. All right. So I'm about to walk around the car to get in the passenger seat on the driver's side. Yeah. When the young guy says, oh, no, you sit in front, man. I'll sit in the back. I go, you sure? Because it doesn't bother matter to me. He goes, no, 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 you sit in front. So I stop and I turn around. And next thing I know, I'm on the ground again. Jeez, dude. Here's what happened, bro. Cause I, I'm, you know, I, I yelled out a big f f word. Then, I guess I could say it. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was the guy had backed into the parking spot, which people do, no big yeah. deal. But there was a huge pothole in the middle of the parking lot, dude. It's like a foot deep, and obviously it's pitch black because it's like nine o'clock at night. And I didn't see it. So I stepped literally into the potholes. I mean, I'm actually happy I didn't break my break my ankle or something. Yeah. But I fell. Dude, it's like 20. I mean, it's probably 32, 33, 34 degrees out there. So it's cold. Dude, I fell hard because, again, I stepped in potholes. So I'm not expecting this. Jeez, dude. So I fell hard on the asphalt, bro. I took a divot out of my palm. I scraped the skin off of my knuckles on my other hand. I got a strawberry on my left elbow, and I got a strawberry on my left knee. <laughs> Jeez. And obviously, I was wearing clothes, but that tells you, I mean, pants. That yeah. tells you how hard the asphalt was. Uh, so, dude, I was jacked up when I got home because now I got to take a shower and what? You got to clean it out to make sure it doesn't get infected because that thing in my palm, like, that, that that went way past the first layer of skin. That thing was pink and red. And I was like, oh, so that's what it looks like up under that first layer. And, uh, you know, so obviously it stings as soon as you put the water on it. So yeah, that's the worst. Just... Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's bad enough if you've got one. But I had four of them. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I walked up walking pretty funny this morning. Uh, but uh, all's well that ends well. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's the thing about getting run over like that on the sideline. I, I like my main concern at this age would be something like internal bleeding or something, you know? Because you're just not used to getting hit like that. Like nobody's body. I mean, those guys are getting hit like that all the time, but they're young and they can heal and bounce back. And man, I'd be horrified. To, like, did I is my spleen exploded? Like, what's wrong with me? I don't know. Plus, they're wearing pads, bro. Yeah, and you're not, and you're and, and you're not like ready for it. Like you're just standing there and get blindsided. Oh yeah, now, you know some of them you see coming and you try to get out of the way. Yeah, Dude, I had, I had no idea that this guy was, you know, I, you know. 
But I mean, he literally ran right through me. So, man, that's intense, dude. Yeah, it is what it is. I survived, though. Well, I'm glad that you survived getting your ass completely run over. <laughs> it happens, dog. You know, you got to give to get sometimes. Yeah, you do. You do indeed. And so uh, it's good that you survived. And so now, so Jackson State being undefeated. So are they, did they go to the FCS playoffs or no? No, they're not interested in that, man. Okay, that's what it's, I figured, that they were they were not going uh, for that. No, it's a financial issue for them. I mean, yeah. it doesn't do them any good. They lose after the first game if they're playing on the road. And, they, and you know, just the way it goes, it's unlikely that they send somebody to Jackson. You'd start losing money on the, on the second trip. And, you know, if you were lucky enough to uh, win a national championship or compete in the national championship, dude, that's like five games. <laughs> They'd be so far in the, in the red, it'd be, it'd be crazy. Uh, so for them, it's always about the Celebration Bowl. Uh, matter of fact, the second place team in their league, the team that doesn't make it to, uh, to the championship game, yeah. if they if they're worthy, last year was Florida A and M, which was I think ten and one, with their only loss being to Jackson State. They went to the playoffs, and I'm pretty sure Florida State, I mean Florida A and M, got waxed fifty nine to three by Jackson State in the opener, but they haven't lost since. And so uh, I think there's a good chance that they will be the uh, representative in the playoff. Um, but uh, for Jackson State, it's a, it's a uh, in most teams, it's a money situation. You can go to Celebration Bowl, you get a guaranteed check of uh, with seven digits, and um, you know it's a win for them. No, that makes sense. So as the season's wrapping up, I mean, have you heard anything else about Dion that is safe to say publicly, or no? Uh. No, I mean, I think, um, I mean, I haven't heard anything. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of rumors going along, a lot of gossip, but uh, I don't think anybody knows but him what he's doing. Yeah. And I think he's, you know, you know, Jackson State has a great football history and tradition. Um, they've got four Hall of Famers, all right? They've got, uh, including Walter Payton, obviously, he's the most well-known, but they've got Lim Barney, they got Jackie Slater, they got Robert Brazil. Um, they've got 17 SWAC championships, uh, you know, so, and here's, here's where I'm going with that. They've never been undefeated in all that history. Hmm. And so they have a chance if they win the SWAC championship game, which they should, because they'll be playing a team that's not anywhere close to them. Um, and then they go to the, to the, um, championship game and, you know, they should win that, but they should have won it last year and got beat. Um, they have one Achilles heel and, um, if you know, and that makes them, that makes them vulnerable. You know, their Achilles heel is their offensive line. They're, they were awful last year and that's pretty much why they lost. Yeah. Uh, they were much better this year, but now through injuries and attrition, they started, essentially they, they started three backups the other day. And it it played like it, you know. You know, I've always said, man, next man up is like to me like the like the dumbest thing ever, because it's not next man up. Because the the man up is starting for a reason, or is number one for a reason, or is the better player for a reason. And so uh, they struggled all day with their offense, but the defense is number one in the nation. And uh, they essentially had a strip sack that gave them the ball at the one that they turned into a touchdown. Travis Hunter had a pick six that he turned into a touchdown. And then he made the most phenomenal catch you've ever seen for another touchdown. And that's how they ended up winning. Mm. 
but they got to get that offensive line situation fixed because it makes them vulnerable. Uh, if they just get their starters back, they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah, because I, I, I get curious about the thing with Dion because, you know, the thing of it is we, we, we are approaching the end of the regular season, obviously, in college football for teams that don't make a bowl. So like Auburn and Alabama in the Iron Bowl this weekend, if Alabama wins as expected, they're at home in Tuscaloosa then that's the end of the season for Auburn. They'd be five and seven. There's no bowl. And the thought is that they would try and have a coach, maybe even hired this weekend, because the transfer portal opens on December 5th, which is that Monday after all the conference championship games. And the thought process is, you know, and it's not necessarily just an Auburn. It could be anybody that's out there that they want to have these coaches in place when that transfer portal opens to give them an opportunity to work the portal as as much as possible to try, especially a team like Auburn that's just going to have to utilize the opportunity to bring kids in from other programs because they just don't have the guys and to salvage whatever you can out of a signing class before the initial signing period in December. Oh, I get all of that, man, but... To me, that's just stupid. I mean, it makes sense at one level, but it's just stupid. If you have a guy, and we'll just say it's D.I., yeah. If then just wait because what you're talking about is not a one-year deal. Yes, you want to be as good as you can be next year, but you. what's more important, to get some dude who's in the transfer portal? Now you got to figure out why are you in the portal? Are you in trouble? Are your grades good? Are you just a bad character? Are you really not good enough to start? So that's, you know, why are you in the portal? Uh, or do you want the coach who you think, uh, given the resources you have, can make your program elite again and relevant again and make you a perennial, you know, top yeah. 10 team for the next 10 years? I'd say I'll pass on a prospect in the portal if I got a shot at the coach that I want. Now, of course, I ain't no big money booster. <laughs> well, you could be. Come on. Ohio State could um, use you, man. Throw, throw some cheese their way. Sure they could. I got $100 for them. <laughs> um, I don't know how much that's going to move the needle, but you should try and see what happens. Not, not much, my friend. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, and, and here's the other thing. I don't, I don't think Dion is moved by any clocks like that. Uh, I think he has a sense that, yeah, I need to do whatever it is I need to do whenever I need to yeah. do it, if that makes sense. But to me, to me, uh, this is not him. This is just me. He likes being part of history. And if he can go 14, I mean, 13 and 0 and win the black national championship and do it at Jackson state, which has this long illustrious football history and do it as an HBCU um, and be one of the best teams in HBCU history, I think that takes precedence over anything else at this particular moment because that's the kind of cachet that, whether it's Auburn or anybody else, looks pretty damn good on a resume. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and would very curious to see as we wrap up, I mean, the college football season that's wrapping up for a lot of teams, as I mentioned, next weekend. And then, of course, you have the bowl games. But we all know it's all about the playoff. And... You know, you saw TCU survive Baylor on a last-second field goal. You saw Michigan survive Illinois on a last-second field goal to maintain their undefeated status. You saw USC get past UCLA and is still very much in the conversation for a potential playoff spot. And, and a lot of that because Tennessee was stunned. 
Tennessee got just obliterated by South Carolina. No one saw that coming. So obviously they're not going to be able to get in. So that door is open, man, right now for some of these other teams that are out there. And it's going to be interesting to see that final regular season weekend. What other crazy upsets? I still, I cannot believe that TCU somehow, some way just continues to win. And, you know, it, it's, I mean, this is a TCU team that probably should have three or four losses that somehow the, the other teams just can't hold them back. And, and TCU just keeps somehow finding ways. Hey, sometimes it's your year, man. Now, you know, at some point Cinderella probably runs out. But in the meantime, man, they keep winning. It's hard to win on a regular basis. It's hard to win every week. You're dealing with these kids, you know, 18 to 22 for the yeah. most part. And uh, no matter what you say, you just have no idea how they're going to show up on a given Saturday. Yeah, but I mean, how great is it going to be on this upcoming weekend? Ohio State, Michigan, they're both undefeated. And the winner of that game, I mean, obviously the winner goes to the Big Ten title game. But the thought is Ohio State, Michigan win and you're in the playoff because for those that haven't been watching Big Ten football this year, there is no one coming out of the West that's going to beat Ohio State or Michigan. I, I wouldn't think. And to me, yeah, I think I no. think Michigan got caught kind of looking ahead to that game against Ohio State next weekend. So I kind of forgive them for screwing around with Illinois, but that's going to be a fun one on Saturday, man. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State did the same thing. Their game was 33-30 with four minutes left Yeah, um, against Maryland. Yeah, it's a tough game, man. You know, we, we did this a uh, – we did the same thing almost, uh, I don't know when it was, maybe a decade ago. It was a game of the century, number one versus number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it lived up to the billing before uh, I think we finally put him away, 42-39 or something like that. Uh, so, no, nah, I'm expecting the same kind of game, same kind of, uh, you know, take you up and down, have your adrenaline flowing, have you cursing, have you sweating, and uh, hopefully we'll come out with a dub. Yeah, and it's good. this is the, the best weekend of college football because this is rivalry weekend. You get all the kick-ass rivalries from all around the country, like the Egg Bowl between the Mississippi schools is on Thanksgiving night. This used to be the weekend that Texas and Texas A&M played. But, like, I mean, you get Arizona states, you get the, the Civil War with Oregon and Oregon State, you get North Carolina and North Carolina State. I mean, you just get all these in-state, like, we hate you type rivalries. And then Ohio State, Michigan on Saturday, the Iron Bowl with Alabama and Auburn on Saturday. There's going to be a lot of really good games on Saturday. And some of these, of course, going to set up potential playoff opportunities. I will tell you this. I don't know if UFC's got the defense to hang if they get into the playoff, but... They're no. going to play. They're going to play a top twenty Notre Dame team this weekend, and then they're going to turn around and, and, and play some top fifteen team in the Pac twelve title game. Lincoln Riley's two wins away from taking USC to the playoff in year one. Oh, yeah, bro. I mean, I ain't really all that surprised at one level. I mean, he's a terrific coach. He got a terrific offense, and they got talent. It was just a matter of how long it was going to take for them to to you know get adjusted to him and what he was doing. Uh, it's only going to get better from over there. Because uh, he's going to get better players. But uh, that offense is ready for prime time. That defense ain't. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, and man, that was a fun one uh, on Saturday night between USC and UCLA. And, and and USC just pulled it out. But, man, we'll see. It's hard for me to, to think anybody can, can roll with Georgia. Maybe Ohio State because they've got the weapons on offense. But I, I don't buy into TCU, USC. If, if either one of them gets into the semifinal, I think you're you're getting annihilated by whoever you play in the first round. But as Herm Edwards would tell you, 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 you play to win the game. So we'll see if they can play to win the game. By the way, Odell Beckham Jr. on Twitter 
throughout today after the Cowboys game. They went crazy today with eye-looking emojis. And apparently the report surfacing that it's between the Giants and the Cowboys for Odell Beckham Jr. services. And he's planning to meet with both teams after Thanksgiving and is looking at a December return to get back onto the field. And that would obviously give you you know, you might get him for four games of the regular season. And the idea would be you're adding somebody like that to do what he did with the Rams last year, which is more so to help you in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, you know, you know, as long as you understand what he is, he's a uh, probably a complimentary guy. And you hope that if you're in the playoffs, he's the kind of guy who can make a play to help you win a game. Yeah, and, and he seems to be. But again, we, we've seen Michael Gallup this year. And the time that it really kind of took him, and I don't even know if he, I would still consider him held all the way back from his ACL injury. And Odell Beckham Jr. is coming off one that he did in the Super Bowl last year. So it, it, it takes a few games for guys to get back into where they're at. And so we'll see. We'll see if, if, if he does even end up with the Cowboys. We'll see what type of a player he is and what type of an impact he could possibly have. But a big win for the Cowboys today. A huge one, 40-3 over the Minnesota Vikings. Best game of the year easily for them all the way through. And, of course, we will now turn our attentions, and we'll get you ready for it on Wednesday when we have our podcast that drops because it will be Thanksgiving Day. The Dallas Cowboys, the New York football Giants, two 7-3 teams. And we may not think much of the Giants, but this is a huge game within the division between two teams with winning records and two teams, the Cowboys and the Giants, that obviously you want to have this one. You want to make sure if you're the Cowboys that you get this one. You already won against the Giants on the road earlier this year. If you knock them off on this one, then they're not going to catch you in the division and you want to stay ahead of them. No, absolutely. It's a huge game, man. Plus, it, uh, you know, if, if you don't win it, then all the good work that you did today is for naught. So you need to go take care of that one, however you get it. You're right. So it'll be the Giants 3.30 on Fox on Thanksgiving Day. So Jacques and I will be back with you here in a couple of days and we'll get you ready. We'll have Tart Archer on and we'll be talking all about Cowboys Giants with the big preview there. Looking ahead, who's going to win and why and getting you ready as we continue. But we always appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks so much for listening. Continue to tell your friends about it. Let them know about the podcast and we will talk to you again in a couple of days.